0: Also, I thought I'd mention, um, Trish and I have a website. Uh, it's a personal website that we just post all of our sermons on from like the last however many years. So we have like over a hundred, I think. And so we have different sermon series and stuff. And I just thought I'd mention it if, if you'd like to check it out. It's all free. And we have a podcast and stuff, lifeinthespirit.org. Um, so I just thought I'd put that up there. I'll probably post these on there as well, uh, the this audio. I'm not sure, as long as the, the recording quality is decent. Anyway, last but not least, we've been talking about the keys of prayer from the teachings of Jesus. We started off talking about Luke 11, 1 through 13. Then last night, um, I talked about Mark 11, uh, 22, verses 22 to 25. I talked about the prayer of authority and command. Now, today I want to continue in the uh, chapter in Mark 11. But I'm going to emphasize something different today. Still talking about prayer, but I'm going to just read it. So, starting in verse 22, Jesus says, Have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and doesn't doubt in their heart, but believes that what they'll say will happen, it'll be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, right? We're talking about prayer, believe that you've received it, it'll be yours. Now, look at this. It almost seems out of place. And when you stand praying, again, we're talking about prayer, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now, you may, uh, if you were paying attention, you may have noticed that I didn't add this verse at the end last night because I was emphasizing other things. But another reason is because, in my experience, it seems that often when people talk about Mark 11, uh, uh, they often end in verse 24, <laughs> or they'll read 25 quickly as if it's like it, it's like that's a random thing. It, it doesn't seem to fit in. How many of you know? Pr- forget this is very intentional. How many of you know that forgiveness is actually an essential part of prayer? Have you ever thought of that? Yeah. Does everybody know that? How many of you have never thought of that before? That that forgiveness is actually a crucial part of prayer. So we all know that. Okay. If you don't know that, you're going to know that. Today, Because I want to show you something. So this is, remember, we're talking about the prayer keys of Jesus. Every time, not every time, sorry. Most times when Jesus talks about prayer, he actually talks about forgiveness. If you remember when I talked about Luke 11, 1 through 13, I skipped over the Lord's Prayer, partly because of time, but also because I wanted to emphasize the teaching starting in verse 5 through 13. Because I feel like sometimes that gets kind of not... Ne- Neglected is a strong word, but it doesn't get as emphasized as much as I think it, it, it might uh, deserve. In this case, um, we're talking about the prayer of authority and command, and Jesus gives the same thing. It's like we're talking about prayer. Okay, I've got to talk about forgiveness in this context. Now look at... Uh, I want to go in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 15, because there's a little more detailed... Uh, th- about this specific thing than than what Jesus says in Luke's version. So look at this. This is the Lord's Prayer. We all know this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So it's like, okay, in case you missed this... (laughs) It's like Jesus, it's like, okay, I, I actually meant it when I talked about forgiveness. So in case you missed that part of it, I'm going to just elaborate a little bit more. Because this is a big deal, right? Jesus is like, this is a big deal. Remember what I talked about repetition. When Jesus repeats something, it's like, he's like, guys, it's like his version of PowerPoint highlight that I have. <laughs> it's like, guys, I'm emphasizing this. This is important. Okay, so verse 14 says, for if you forgive other." People, When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. What an interesting thing to say in the context of this is how you pray. But again, look, that's a major part of prayer. Um, when I talked about Luke 11, the Lord's Prayer is really a template of what to pray. So Jesus is like, these are some crucial things. Like This is what you should pray. The stuff after I talked about verses 5-13 through 13, is more like... How to pray. This is like right asking, seeking, knocking. These are different dimensions. This is really the content of prayer. And Jesus is saying this is a crucial part of prayer is forgiveness. What this tells me is forgiveness should be part of our regular prayer life. Have you ever thought of that? Because if Jesus is saying this is how you should pray. So whenever you pray, forgive. Right? He says that here. He says that in Luke. He says that in Mark 11. And so it's not something we should do once in a blue moon, like when we're really, really offended. Oh, right, I'm a Christian, so I guess I need to forgive that person. It's like Jesus like, no, when you pray, right, you not only ask for forgiveness, you're forgiving people in, in, in that as well. Now, this is, I realize this is, can be kind of an intense message, but um, I don't intend it to be because really what i uh, uh, what I want the outcome to be is to highlight the fact that we're talking about prayer and we're talking about this is important an important aspect of prayer that Jesus um, tells us we need to do. And so I want because Jesus talks about the consequences of unforgiveness, I want to talk about that because um, that really if you if you talk about that, like I don't want to shy away from difficult teachings because I mean these are main plain gospel teachings, but when you realize, the weightiness of unforgiveness, and why the Lord cares so much about it, then it helps us understand this is why it's so important. So what I want to do is give this, this teaching about forgiveness from Matthew 18. I always get a kick out of Peter. He says funny things sometimes. But I love him because we can all relate to him. So G- Peter comes to Jesus one day and he asks him, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Like you can tell he's like thinking, yeah, this seven times, that's, that's a lot of times. And Jesus is probably going to say, yeah, that well done, Peter. Yeah, seven times, <laughs> right? No. P- Jesus is actually like, I tell you, not seven times. But 77 times, some translations say 70 times 7, which would be 490. The point is, countless times, right? Like, n- no limits on forgiveness. It's not, you quantify it, it's like, no, unlimited forgiveness. Now, I just want you to think about, I want you to think about it. Now, if I had time, and, and I don't, but, but I, I'm hoping in a few seconds I can, I think you'll understand what I'm, what I'm getting at. The topic of ethics in the New Covenant is different from the Old Covenant. I hope I hope we all know that. We're no longer under law. So so we no longer can quantify righteousness and it's not like we gain God's favor by doing things. And and you have to understand like of course Peter and the apostles were still in the Jewish way of thinking and so it's like quantifying righteousness seven times how many do how like wh- how many times do I have to do this thing to be considered righteous, God? Yeah, it's like still thinking in that way. And Jesus has to really (coughs) help them rethink this whole notion. It's like, no, no, not seven, unlimited. If you think about it, new covenant righteousness, no longer, you can't quantify it because God's, it's all a gift from God. So God gives us his unconditional love, his unconditional grace, his unconditional forgiveness And he expects us to do the same, right? Because the kingdom of God is received as a gift, we give unto others as we've received. Okay, so if you think about this, say hypothetically, someone comes up to Peter and he punches him. Just randomly, some guy. And then so Peter's like, okay, I'm a Christian. Okay, I forgive you. Then the guy punches him again. And Peter's like, okay, okay, I'm a Christian, I forgive you. Then the guy punches him again, three times. So Peter's like, okay, that's number three. Okay, but I'm a Christian, forgive you. Punches him again, punches him again, punches him again, punches him again. That's seven, Peter punches him back. Oh, okay? <laughs> Think about this. How, how many did Peter, how many times did Peter forgive the guy? Think about it. Zero. You cannot count and forgive. If you're counting, you have never forgiven. Mutually exclusive options. Can't quite, right? You see what I'm saying? If you're counting, you haven't forgiven in the first place. So forgiveness... Is something that you, you cannot just quantify and say, okay, I've done it enough times. It's like, no, to truly forgive, is, it has to be unconditional. And you're not counting, you're not keeping track. So, because new covenant righteousness is predicated on God's prior acceptance of us, piety is no longer quantified. So, how many times must I forgive sets limits? So, under God's kingdom rule of forgiveness, it's unlimited and unconditional. So, the answer that Jesus gives them is as many times as God has forgiven you which is unlimited amount of times. Now, so he goes on to make this point. This is a parable, and it's, it's kind of an intense parable. This is verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay it, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had sold to repay the debt. Be sold, in, uh, sorry, yeah. To repay the debt. At this, at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The master's servant looked, or servant's master rather, took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Okay, so that's a picture of God's forgiveness. It's like, okay, hey, you owed me this, I'll let it go. Now, I want to point something out, because often we read these things and it means nothing to us. 10,000 talents, that's just some arbitrary, like what's a talent anyway? I'll tell you what a talent is, Okay just so we can understand how crazy this is like how unbelievable this is so one talent is 1200 ounces or approximately 75 pounds of gold 10,000 talents this is what the guy owed the master 12 million ounces or 750,000 pounds or 375 tons of gold i looked up the price of gold the other day it's a uh, it's t- 2000 just over $2000 think about this $2000 t- times 12 million ounces he owed the guy somewhere between 24 and $25 billion. <laughs> that's what 10,000 talents. Okay? Like, So in other words, there is no way, unless this guy was the servant turned into Bill Gates, he would ever be able to pay this guy back. Okay? So that's the point Jesus made. It's like unfathomable. No way that could ever happen. Now look at this. So the, the man pleaded for mercy. The king, king forgave him. He's, Jesus is, is using money as an analogy. This is a, a perfect analogy because forgiveness is a cancellation of a debt. Right? So this man received forgiveness for an unpayable debt, which represents someone who received forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Now look at what this servant does. So, the, so when the servant, and I want to point out, we're talking about a servant of the master. Jesus is talking about Christians here. He's talking about believers. He's talking about his servants. A believer who's received forgiveness went out. He found one of his fellow servants, another Christian, who owed him 100 denarii. Now, that's not an insignificant amount of money. A de- denarii was like a day's wage. So that's like a, a quarter year's salary, whatever that means. We'll just say like twelve dollars to $15,000. So it wasn't insignificant. It was a lot of money. Nothing compared to $25 billion though, right? So anyway... Um, he grabbed him and he choked him and he paid, he's like, pay me back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees, begged him, be patient with me, I'll pay you back. He refused. Instead he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, he, he was, uh, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that happened. Then the master called the servant, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, talking about Christians, you can see that below too. Just as I had on you, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back what he owed. In other words, forever. Because how is he, like, how is he ever going to get that $25 billion, right? This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you, he's talking to Christians, unless you forgive, look at your brother and sister, talking about Christians, from your heart from your heart it's not an intellectual assent it's not a formula it's okay i forgive so and so from your heart what does that mean there's an emotional component to it and i think that's an important thing to point out because <coughs> forgiveness is a, a, an easy way to tell if you still need to forgive somebody is if there's an emotional component to it that you still feel when you see the person or think of the person Okay, so just think it like, say somebody did something to you and you're just like, oh, so-and-so. Yeah, you feel that like, oh, they, I can't believe they did that to me. Or like you see them down, walking, like maybe it's a coworker and you see them like, oh, and you feel like, oh, I hope I don't see so-and-so today. Or I hope I don't see my bo-. You see what I'm saying? If you feel that, there's, that's, that's an emotional. It, it tells you, it's a warning sign. Look, you need to forgive this person. You obviously have a grudge. So Jesus is saying, until you get to that place where you've forgiven from your heart, right? So it's, it's something that is, is, you know, we need grace to do, of course, because we're all, we're all susceptible to this. And I'm sure we've all been offended some, in, in ways that are hard to even relate to. I know, like, as a pastor and stuff, you hear things and it's like, man, I can't even relate to that because it's like, you know, um, that's intense what you went through. I can't, I've never experienced that. Now, we've all experienced intense stuff. Don't get me wrong. But um, some more than others. So it's like you have compassion for how difficult it would be to forgive certain people when they've done horrendous things. But but Jesus is saying this is very much important, right? This is a very important thing that you have to do. So, a person who can't forgive has forgotten how great a debt they were forgiven. So, when you realize the great death and eternal torment Jesus delivered you from, you will freely release others. So, a key point that I want to make is if God, if I want God's grace and mercy, I must give grace and mercy to others. Do you remember that scripture I talked about when Jesus said, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons? Then he says, freely you've received, freely give. That principle is so crucial in the new covenant that's like that's like new covenant ethics right there freely you've received freely give so i want to use that over and over again in this context okay because that principle applies to what we're talking about with forgiveness so jesus defines righteousness differently in the new covenant everything we've received is a gift from god and we must freely give unto others that which we've received a good scripture that that's, illustrates this principle. We love because what? He first loved us. We've received his unconditional love. We have to give that love to others. Freely we receive. Freely we give. So God granted us his unlimited forgiveness. And we're called to do the same. Forgiving each other just as Christ and God forgave you. So as I, I've been pointing out throughout the weekend. Jesus is our example. Okay, So freely you receive. Freely forgive. Forgiveness. Think about this. Forgiveness is really what lies at the heart of the entire gospel. Jesus dying for our sins is God's gracious heart of forgiveness towards us. And he longs to forgive us and for us to experience that forgiveness. And his forgiveness frees us to treat others as God treats us to forgive and love them unconditionally. So it's like Jesus forgave us this crazy debt, $25 billion, and then he expects us to show that same forgiveness and love to others, right? So, look at uh, this. Is, this is such an amazing passage of scripture, Romans 5, 6 through 10. It's, he says, You see, just at the right time when you were still powerless, Christ, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, through though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were, were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still like in the world, just sinning against him, he died for us. He, that's how he showed us his love. But look at this. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through us? For if while we were God's enemies, he actually considers us as enemies before we were saved. He's like, you are God's enemies and while you were still his enemy, he did this crazy extravagant thing and forgave your $25 billion debt. While you were still his enemy... You were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? The point, Jesus loved us while we are st- yet his enemies. And he tells us to do the same. Freely you receive, freely forgive. Now, we all know the scripture, but think of it in light of that. Jesus did this for us while we are his enemies. That's precisely why he says, you do this now. Right? Luke 6, 27 to 38. But, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Just like I loved you when you were my enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. This is really difficult. But think about Jesus did that for every single one of us. Then he repeats himself. Remember when I say when Jesus repeats himself, that's him saying, listen, love your enemies. (laughs) Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you'll be children of the most high God because he's kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father's merciful. Remember, freely you've received the mercy. Freely give. Be be like your father in heaven. Then he says, don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't be or don't condemn. You won't be condemned. Forgive. Look at forgive and you'll be forgiven. Sowing and reaping. Given it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, the running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, so if think about that statement, and he even mentions forgiveness. To the extent that you forgive others, you will be forgiven. How many of you want to be forgiven for everything? <laughs> I know I do, yeah? So it's like the whole principle of sowing and reaping. It talks about it in Galatians 6, 8 through 10. It says, God won't be mocked. Whoever sows, they will also reap. So those who sow to please the Spirit will reap uh, eternal life. Those who sow to please the flesh will reap death and destruction. It's interesting that God says he won't be mocked. So in other words, it's like, it's mockery to God. If you, it's... (laughs) I don't even want to go. So I'm going to move on. Sorry. I'm getting off my notes. I'm realizing I got time. Okay. But sowing and reaping is the same thing. That's what Jesus is talking about. You want forgiveness. So forgiveness. You want mercy. So mercy. And to the extent that you do it, you're going to reap it. Sowing to please the spirit. Therefore, as God's chosen people, this is sorry, Colossians three twelve, 12. And it's again, over and over illustrating this principle. Uh, Colossians 3.12-14 Holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Look at this. Bear with others and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive. Look, as the Lord forgave you. Same thing. Freely you receive the forgiveness, freely give. Then he talks about loving uh, one another. Ephesians 4.30-32 And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What's interesting is he says how you grieve the Holy Spirit. With whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Look at this. Get rid of all bitterness, which is a, right? If you harbor unforgiveness, bitterness is a consequence. Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Look at this. Just as Christ and God forgave you. Freely you've received forgiveness, freely give. It's the same principle over and over and over. And you know, forgiveness is such an important thing. Like, even even the secular re- world is recognizing this. There's research, there's tons of research on this now showing that if you harbor unforgiveness, it leads to cancer and all this, these crazy health outcomes. Why? Because it produces cortisol, which then... Uh, suppresses your white blood cells which is your immune system and then has all these long-term negative effects like cancer so it's funny i teach psychology and it's all usually secular and there's sections now in the textbooks talking about the importance of forgiveness like from a research perspective and it's secular so it's weird almost it's but you don't expect it but it's like hey this is such an important psychological effect and you you know this like when you when you meet you can almost tell sometimes when you meet people who've harbored unforgiveness for a really long time, can't you? Right, they, they seem like bitter and just... And so it's just something, it's almost like, if you've ever heard that expression, I think it's a good one. It's like unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's really, it's really we're drinking the bitter waters if we harbor that. It's, it's actually having the negative effect on us, right? And so it's an important thing for our own sake... And the other's sake to forgive. So what should we do in light of all this? Like I've been saying, Jesus is our example. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is to be conformed to the image of Christ. A couple of scriptures on that, Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. 1 John four seventeen. This is how love is made complete among us in this world. We're like Jesus. So that's our that's our ultimate aim, to be just like Christ. Like he, he gave us the perfect example of how what we want to be as Christians. And I want to I want you to think about. So like I understand some of us have probably gone through like crazy, crazy stuff that is just makes it almost seem impossible to forgive someone. I and I, and I totally sympathize. I mean, we've <laughs> Everybody has. We have, too. Be nice to your pastor, by the way. <laughs> remember? When, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny when... Oh, sh- sh- yeah. When I... Uh, I'll just be quick. But when I, uh, a few years ago, when, I was, when we were pastoring in Ottawa, I remember my grandpa was coming from Dauphin to Ottawa. It was like like right by his 91st birthday to come visit. And it was such an honor. And so I was praying, like, two months in advance. Lord, what do you want me to speak? Because Grandpa's like, you know, he's, he passed away now, but uh, like Greek Orthodox, or yeah, Ukrainian Orthodox. So I was like, yeah, like I want to, you know, is there anything you want me to speak? And the Lord told me way in advance, I want you to speak on forgiveness. And I was like, oh, okay. And I assumed it was for grandpa. <laughs> so I, I, I did this message on forgiveness and then like this, this like bizarre thing happened where it was like, what? <laughs> in, our life, in our life, where it was like people like, certain people made like crazy lies. And it was like, it was just the most unbelievable thing we've ever experienced. And, um, and not just about us, but about a bunch of people in our church and stuff. And then that was like a few days before I gave this message. I'm like, oh, this message was for me. <laughs> it wasn't for Grandpa. God knew this was going to happen, and I need this message. <laughs> so, yeah, you, I mean, everyone has experienced difficult things. But I want you to think about something. Jesus has experienced that to the nth degree. Okay? Okay. Now I, we could go on all day about the, the reasons Jesus had. A, a, he was the only one who probably had um, the the ability to harbor unforgiveness and and it be okay because he was perfect. That that sounded. Just ignore what I just said. Other than to say, he had a lot of reason he could have been unforgiven, unforgiving towards others. Think about it. Like every time he gave a teaching, people made up like lies about him and like. Um, you know, said negative things about it, wanted to kill him. <laughs> like, it was like everything he did, there was like crazy things that he could have been offended by. But just think about some of the stuff leading up to the to the cross. It's like he was betrayed by one of his closest friends. You know, we think of Judas as like this bad guy. And of course he he was. But he was one of Jesus' closest friends. For like three and a half years, Jesus poured into this guy. They ate together. They you know, um, he, he was his disciple and he spent so many hours pouring into this guy and Judas betrays him for 30 pieces of silver. Like imagine your best friend betrays you for like a hundred bucks, you know, like to, to death. And it's like, is that all I was worth to you? Like that would be really difficult if you've ever been betrayed. You know, it's like, wow, one of my best friends did that. Not only that, though. He was abandoned by all of his closest friends when he needed them the most. They all scattered. So when, when, he was, when, when the rubber met the road, what happened? It's like Peter denied that he even knew him to a servant girl. You know, it's like, what? You don't even... It's like, man, that's intense. You, don't, you deny you even know me when I need you the most. But then he was flogged and he was tortured. How many of you have seen The Passion of the Christ? Like... <laughs> Yeah, that's hard to watch, isn't it? I bet you that was. I bet you, I wouldn't doubt if it was even more intense than that movie portrayed it. And that was really intense because the Romans were ruthless with their torture methods, and crucifixion was the absolute worst type of execution they could think of. And it was only it was saved for runaway slaves and extra. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Resurrection. Not resurrectionists. <laughs> Thank you, insurrectionists. Those are the only two people that were ever crucified, like the lowest of the lows, because it was such an unfathomable, torturous method of execution. Okay? Look at this. Hanging on the cross, people hurling insults at him, his friends just betrayed him, um, and he's completely innocent. (laughs) He's the only one ever in, in history who's ever been completely innocent. Totally unjust. People are mocking him right now. <laughs> like, this is like, I can't even think of how crazy that, like, how, like how, how difficult it would be to forgive people at, in, like, right? I, I just don't even know how it's possible. Look at what Jesus does. This is just blows my mind. It's like, okay, um, he's on the cross. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. I want to point out something about that. like Because Jesus is our example. okay, And he's right now experiencing probably one of the most horrific things that a human being could experience. Not to mention the pain, the physical pain. I'm talking about even the emotional and betrayal and all that stuff. Jesus didn't make them grovel on the ground and beg for mercy, did he? He, did, they, he didn't even make them apologize. Like, it wasn't even like... If you say sorry, I'll, pr- I'll pray that your God forgives you, okay? He just simply said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. It's like unconditional forgiveness to the nth degree. Like, I don't even, it's like, wow. Like, they don't even have to apologize <laughs> and say sorry. It's like, no, I, I forgive them unconditionally. And he's actually praying that the Father forgives them unconditionally. Remember what he tells us to do. Love your enemy. Pray for those who do negative things to you, who hate you. Bless those who hate you, right? All the things that he was doing right here, pray for them, he says. Pray for your enemies. That's what he was showing us. And we're called to do the same thing. Okay? So this should be our response to others who do us wrong. True forgiveness is completely unconditional is the point. And that's what Jesus was demonstrating in the midst of one of the most difficult things that you could fathom. To truly forgive is to truly let it go and to let God have it. They no longer, quote-unquote, owe us anything, right? Because it's a debt. So, so forgive, think about the word, right? You're forgiving unconditionally. You're giving them something. If, if they have to do something in return, it's no longer forgiveness. Okay? So, what should we do in light of all this? Forgive like Jesus did. And I know this is hard. I, like, I, I completely understand it. We all have to go through it. But um, it's just something that, as Christians, God requires of us. And it's something we should do regularly. And so what I wanted to do, just, just quickly, is give us an opportunity, as we finish this weekend, um, on, and this, this, these teachings on prayer, is to actually do it. Is to actually ask the Holy Spirit, to ask God, if you reveals is there anyone I need to forgive? And I'm sure we could all come up with that. Someone, if if you if you've been thinking at any point during this message, especially now, oh man, I should forgive so-and-so, then it's probably the Holy Spirit saying, Yeah, you need to forgive that person, maybe. Right? But I want but if you're like if you can if you're like I can't really think of anyone right now that's great. But I want to ask you something because I'm pretty sure we probably if we really thought about it all have someone we need to forgive. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. How many of you would want to be exactly like your mom and dad? Zero. Notice no one put up their hand. Okay. Why did I just ask that? I want to propose something to you. Those reasons you thought of that made you not raise your hand, there's a chance you might need to forgive them in that area. See what I'm saying? Like say, for example, I wouldn't want to be like my dad because he was really angry. You might need to forgive him for that. Or I wouldn't want to be like my mom because she was whatever, a gossip. You might need to forgive. You see what I'm saying? So, So use this opportunity... Maybe to forgive them, or maybe it's a coworker, or maybe it's your boss, or whatever. Um, but it's just, it's just a simple prayer. There's no formula, really. It's just a simple prayer, but I just want you to think about it. And, and here I have, like for, so this is just a prayer, and, and we don't necessarily need to do this right now, but, but I want to leave this up at least. And I want us just to think about it. And maybe, why don't we do that? Why don't we just think about it for just a few seconds? And if if you already have somebody, and why don't we just say this prayer together? You don't have to say the name out loud. You can whisper it, or the Lord knows who you're thinking about. But I just want to do this as sort of like, yeah, Jesus tells us to forgive people, so why don't we just do that right now? Corporately. So, um yeah if if you if you've thought of someone um, or maybe multiple people and then I would recommend just go go home and do this if there 's more like if there 's a lot you need to do that 's fine and it 's a process i understand it 's one of those things that you know it, it reminds me the illustration I think about often in in, in forgiveness is is that guy in, not, in in mark chapter nine when he was asking Jesus to heal his son and Jesus says that remarkable statement about everything's possible for who, him who believes. And this guy says, I believe, help my unbelief. You guys know what I'm talking about? I feel like this is the same thing we can pray with forgiveness. It's like, I forgive, help me my unforgiveness. You know what I mean? Because it's something that does, it is a process and, and just, it might take a long time. It really might. It might take years even. But the point is to, to engage in that process and to not harbor that unforgiveness. You know, it's, it's an important thing. So why don't we just pray this together? And then when I get to the point where I say, I forgive, f- fill in the blank with the name, for fill in the blank, you can either whisper it or don't. You can just say it in your mind if you don't want people to hear you, that's fine. But why don't we just do this together, okay? So thank you, Je- um. Yeah, you can repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place, thank you, Jesus, for dying in my place. that I might be forgiven. By an act of my will, will, I now choose to forgive those who've hurt me me. or sinned against me. me. All right. So here's the point when we actually forgive. I forgive and then you can just say it in your mind and give, give the person to the Lord might be a few people and then be specific say for this specific thing so just you can do that on your own right now I'll just give you a few seconds I forgive so and so for whatever it could be minor stuff too there's nothing too minor for this like I forgive Bob for not cleaning the washroom when he said he would the other day or whatever your your hypothetical husband (laughs) okay Okay, so why don't we? We'll finish this, and we'll. Um, I, give I give to each one of these the gift of unconditional forgiveness. The unconditional forgiveness. They owe me nothing. Owe me I, entrust them to you. I entrust them to you. God, I bless each one of them, God, one of them. In, your in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I thank you again for. Oh yeah, I want to say something too. Were you going to say I was going to say there's legitimate boundaries that you may need with people. So 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 that's a, there's lots you could say about forgiveness. What I mean by that is say say hypothetically you're in an abusive situation and you need to forgive that person. You can forgive them from afar, right? Unless that person repents and turns around and and stops the abuse. Um, you don't have to be in that situation. so forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that you have to we just reconcile. yeah, like you try your best in, as possible to reconcile with the person but there's also godly boundaries that you might need do you see what I'm saying so, so it's like yeah um, in abusive situations or whatever there might be a, a, a place where you don't necessarily get together with the person but you still need to forgive them from afar Yeah? Okay. Very
1: good. Go ahead. um, Since I know my husband and I know uh, his language, sometimes I understand what he's saying, but I can see that maybe there could be some things that could be misunderstood, so I just come up to clarify every once in a while. Thank God for Um, wives. (laughs) Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, can't. I know what he meant, but he' yeah. could have come across no, this way. No, that's good. So uh, there's a couple things. The first thing was just, I think it was just because it went quickly. He was talking about how forgiveness is an important part of regular prayer. And his justification for that was how it's in the Lord's Prayer. So the, they ask, Lord, teach us how to pray. And then it goes through and it's, Father, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us. So that was his justification there in terms of saying that should be part of our daily routine because it's incorporated in the Lord's Prayer. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Um, And then uh, he was talking about how the Lord was talking to believers in the servant parable. But um, it doesn't mean that we don't forgive unbelievers as well. (laughs) So it's not it's not saying like, oh, we just have to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we don't have to forgive unbelievers. So he wasn't saying that he was just emphasizing the fact that he was talking specifically to believers. And it's important for us as disciples to forgive. Yes. That includes everyone and uh the be nice to your pastor statement i just wanted to clarify to because it's like wait what did that mean so <laughs> be nice to your pastor meant well we went through some hard things as being a pastor and so he was just oh yeah saying that in context of forgiveness it's something we had to work through and so he's saying don't don't make him go through any more forgiveness than he has to already As a pastor. yeah i don't know
0: anything <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah right he didn't pay me <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: my point was i have a lot of compassion and sympathy for pastors having been one because <laughs> they go through a lot of stuff you don't know and then nobody else knows and it's yeah so Good. anyway be nice, be yeah. nice your pastor. okay <laughs> all right thank you guys we've had a wonderful time it's been such a blessing getting to know you guys my wife and i have been really just impressed with you guys you have such humility and kindness and love and and you've really just blessed us this weekend so thank you it's been an honor to be here and to get to know you guys yeah.
1: Yeah. And on that note, I just said this to someone yesterday too, that I've been to a lot of different churches and a lot of different places. And what you guys have here in terms of your community and family feeling is, is really special. There's not a lot yeah. of churches like that. So just cherish that and be grateful for that.
0: So yeah. yeah. So thank you guys. And uh, have an awesome lunch. I don't, is there worship yeah. or anything? Yeah, perfect. All right, let's worship. <laughs>